Hey everyone, welcome to Omega Star 7's first Q&A episode. I wanted to put this in the beginning and then we can get to the festivities. First and foremost, unfortunately, Joe and Luna could not be here with us. They play Saul and Kala respectively. But it is myself, the creator, James, the co-creator, and our friend Graham who plays Badger and Slade. Um, other than that, this episode is a abridged version of an over hour long episode that we recorded. If you'd like to hear that, as well as some other behind the scenes goodies, please find us on Patreon, Omega Star Productions. You can also follow us on social media. Just look up Omega Star 7 underscore pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you have questions for the next Q&A, please hit us up at omegastar7podcast at gmail.com. Every seven in all of those handles is the number seven not spelled out. Thank you. I'm not going to hold you here any longer. Enjoy our first Q&A episode. Starliner here, folks. I'm here with the creators of Omega Star 7, voice actors, uh, music creators, all sorts of different aspects of the show, and they're here to answer your pressing questions. Let's introduce our guest for the day. Sitting across from me, who do we have here? I am Skylar, creator, director, composer, and voice actor for Omega Star 7. Lovely. And who do I have to my left? I'm Graham. I'm a voice actor, and uh, that's pretty much it. The sounding board sometimes. <laughs> and whose body am I occupying right now? Uh, I'm James. I do uh, several different voices, and I also uh, help write a little bit of the show and sometimes do music. Great stuff. All right. Let's jump to that very first question we got from our audience. So is the show still based on an actual play, or is it purely birthed out of Skylar's own genius at this point? The short answer is no. We do not actual play our episodes before writing them or improving them or having fun with them. I think we wanted to move away from the tedious amount of time it takes to play a game and then record it. So as much as we love playing Dungeons and Dragons, you can also talk James if you'd like. I love Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, we do love we do love Dungeons and Dragons, but uh those combat scenes, man, they're hard to do. We always had the audio drama niche in our style, but uh, we really liked the idea of like, I mean, I personally, as the editor, um, I, I tried to move away as much as possible because it was, it was very taxing on myself. I think back in those days, it took two hours a night for a whole week to get just a okay sounding episode versus what you hear now, which is the same amount of time, about two hours a, a session, couple times a week and you're getting like a whole different level of quality because I don't have to worry about editing things down to make sense as much. Yeah. And I, I mean, I joined after the actual play part of it was already done and had been done for like a while. And I came in once it was more like it was focused on the story and I liked the ability to focus on the story without having to worry about, you know, like making my character sheet, like, 
precisely how it needs to be. And like, it's, you know, when, when you're dealing with other people like that, like it's interesting because D and D you do kind of build a story together and we are still doing that here. But in this case, we have like a certain goals in mind and like, we know how much we can derail it versus like sometimes when you're playing D and D it's kind of fun to like try to derail the DM. You know, We, we had a unspoken agreement. Graham knows um, when we were doing the show, I would sit everybody down every episode, every session and be like, listen, I expect you guys to tell a good story, not try to piss me off, not try to derail me. If you need to derail me to tell a good story, then by all means, please do it. But we are here to tell a story. And I tried to be upfront with that when we did the show because we knew that it was partially an audio drama and we were trying to lean into that a little bit. That's why everyone did a voice. That's why there was no, like, you know, friend who just is on his phone the whole time. It was intended to be a podcast, not an actual play. So there's that element of it, of like trying to make it more entertaining for people that are maybe not there physically. Yeah. Coming off an actual play, what clicked that made you feel there was more of this story to tell? You know what? This is a very easy question. Being someone with ADHD, you usually lose focus, move on to something new. But with Omega Star 7, I just, I, I couldn't let it go. I had to come back. It's special. And that's why we kept telling the story. I have absolutely nothing to add to that. That was a beautiful answer. How do you write and record the music for the show? If it's something that's very rooted in emotion, I will try to get into that emotion and I will play one of my synthesizers live and then I'll add some pretty stuff on top of it for more fun. I'll throw some effects in my doll and go from there. Um, the ship scene, the do, 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 do. So that ship sound is from my pocket operator office, which is a pocket operator that's loaded with office sounds from uh, the 80s. I would say that's about 40% of our recording is like just feeling out something. Sometimes we'll write a song and then make an episode around it. For example, Mushroom Madness, one of everyone's favorite episodes. That episode was kind of created around the ukulele song, because I got a ukulele. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we wrote the whole song. fucking yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, we wrote the whole episode around that song, because I thought it'd be really funny to have people, like, we'd have the crew floating. Yeah. And I'm like, why would they float? I'm like, they're high. And we're like, oh, dude, it makes so much sense. It's perfect. I have forgot that's how that came about. So, and then, you know, we'll write, we'll, we'll do your standard writing, which is MIDI, some guitar stuff, like, you know. The, the Western thing is me playing guitar and Ooh, the, like, the harmonica is you playing harmonica. Yeah, James, like, I'm talking because, to James. Yeah, because I played I played harmonica quickly during a D&D session on my busted harmonica. And I was like, that's it, man. <laughs> How much of the show is improvised? So season one is almost entirely improvised, even old ghosts, because I would let people... I would let our guests do what they wanted. There was parts that were like contained. Like I would sit down with James for like, for the night shift. There was, I don't talk about this too much, but um, we we had an original plot hook where Scrawl wakes up, which still happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we had like a, we had a lore dump and I listened back and it was the first time in eight episodes, eight episodes, one of them being two parts of nine episodes that I was like, this can't happen. Yeah, I forgot that we did that, yeah. And I was like, this is not artistically the right thing to do. I could feel it in my guts that it was wrong. Yeah, and I think it turned out a lot, lot better. <clears throat> it was much more mysterious to have the screaming. 
I know. We, I mean, we dumped a lot of lore that still. <laughs> it was also hilarious. <laughs> it was not hilarious. Okay, no, come on. Come Trey, on. Trey's reaction was hilarious. <laughs> let's go. Let's, let's get back on topic. Improving. Yeah, so when the show took on a more dramatic tinge to it, we had to start implementing more script. At least when the story was prevalent and there was beats, we had to make sure we were hitting. And there are parts that are super dramatic, and we want to make sure that everything is done right. But the improv has kind of followed us through all of it. Like when we have lines from outside sources, we will wait until they send us their lines and then improv our lines to their script just to kind of keep that living flow going. Because we do think that the improv helps with the human element of the show. Uh, And being a space opera, it is kind of nice to have the groundedness be in the characters. And as the, you know, as the show continues to get more story focused, we will continue to implement scripts as needed. I mean, the bad beat was like 90% scripted and now we're kind of moving towards a 50-50 where it used to be like 80-20. How much free reign do you give your guests on what they do? You haven't fucking figured it out by now? (laughs) Too much. (laughs) Too much. Um, Like if you don't know. um, We don't tell everybody how much we do what people do. Because it, it varies. Um, Zed One did a bunch of zombie movies. They've done four so far for us, fake zombie movies. Um, the first, so the first time they were on the show for Old Ghost, which is episode five, I said, have fun. They gave me three to pick one. And I said, we're using all three. Because <laughs> I'm like, these are all hilarious and they're all going to make it in. That's one way you can go. I can say, just do whatever you want. So another way is Mushroom Madness. Again, one of the best episodes we have easily. We had Max from uh, the Musicians Musicians podcast. I said, here's some lore, but I didn't give him a whole lot. I said, Dill Boblin, Bobby Fern. Yeah. They're kind of like this. They're kind of like that. He listened back to the show. He added the octopus bits. He added all this stuff. So uh, I, I just, I find there's something magical about having someone on the show who loves the show. You can feel the energy. In that same episode, we wrote a script for our good friend W. Keith Timms of the Book of Constellations in the first episode of, and I said, you have free reign to rewrite and add whatever you'd like, and he brought it. Pavlex Nero has become a crew favorite on the entire show. In the same question, and I said, I cut a lot of these down. Uh, the, the Me being a genius, I did not cut down. That was given to me. That was an acolyte that I want. Here we <laughs> fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Ah, this fucking guy. Um, the, in the same question, um, uh, Chrissy, I keep calling her, call her Moxie. She is Moxie. Uh, Moxie asked me, like specifically Ian from Neon Shadows in episode seven, Everyone's favorite episode, The Hallway of Almost Infinite Doors, which is, I think, still my favorite episode. Sprocket League might give it a run for its money. But um, so, you know, a little behind the scenes on the show, when we decided to reboot the show, we weren't sure how we were going to do it. And I kind of wrote the script for what became the beginning of The Hallway of Almost Infinite Doors as kind of like an intro. And we scrapped it because while it might have been funny, it didn't really fit the vibe we were going for. So... I sent it to Ian from Neon Shadows and said, hey, we really want to do like a Twilight Zone kind of vibe for this episode. And this script kind of takes on Rod Serling's vibe while still being comedic and sticking true to the show. So we had him do it. 
So to answer the question bluntly and directly, it really depends on the situation. Um, it depends if I want an actor. It depends if I want a bit. So if I want someone to play a role, I'll write them a script and say, listen, as long as you, you can say whatever you want, as long as you keep the general gist of these lines. It has to be the same feeling, but you can say it how you want to say it. How do you milk a glub glub? So Zed one asked. <laughs> so Zed one asked this question way back when, and I answered them there. But I'm gonna answer everybody else. So a glub glub is an amorphous blob-like creature with nipples. <laughs> that when you pasteurize, you say this with a straight face. That's what I want to know. The glub glub is an amorphous blob-like creature that when you pasteurize it, akin boiling it, it turns into a milky white texture. Oh, you milk the whole thing? You milk the whole thing. You fucking wow. No, you, I feel, no, you liquefy it. Yeah, that's huh. yeah, it turns into milk. This wow. is coming from a fucking vegetarian. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that weird? No, uh, we don't just take the milk out of it. We fucking boil it alive for the like milk. A lobster. <laughs> Dude, every fucking day, man. It's fake. It's it's fucking fiction. <laughs> So, uh, people want to know, what are your inspirations? I will be straight with you. There's two answers to this. Do you mean inspirations or do you mean derivations? I believe the word is inspirations with an I. So, like, the reason I make that distinction is because I feel that, you know, a derivative and an inspiration are two different things. Like, we are derivative of Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, and Outlaw Star, like, clearly. Well, those, are, those are obviously the people that, like have listened to other things. But that's the inspiration of the aesthetic. You know what I mean? Like the aesthetic of the show is very much 90s space anime. Think of a space anime from the 90s that's set in space. That's what it looks like. So so basically, wait, are you saying that like when you are like writing, when you're conceiving the episode. The aesthetic. Like that's the backdrop. That's what I'm thinking it looks like. Right, okay. So my inspirations, George Lucas, for obvious reasons, Star Wars, not set up. No, there's no Earth in Star Wars. There never will be Earth in Star Wars. If they put Earth in Star Wars, I will stop watching Star Wars. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, especially <laughs> after listening to their fucking their podcast that yeah, James dude. is willing to shut the fuck up about. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, man. So good. It, it reminds me of us. Literally, like, right down to the execution of the show. I mean, it's always sunny. They sit in a room and bounce ideas off each other until something sticks. We kind of do the same thing, and there's also the level of us getting out there to do like an anti-satirical take on, you know, space operas and space westerns, just like they're out there to do like an anti-sitcom. It, it's, there's a lot of satire to our show. I mean, even in our most dramatic episode, like The Bad Beat, when Moxie reaches her hand into a box to pull out something, that's literally a scene from Dune. But, it, you know, it's just kind of done to be like a nod and there's a lot of satire in that moment. And speaking of satires, Hitchhiker's Guide. Because yep. satire is important. And satire to me is, you can have absurdity, which is like Eric Andre's show. There's no point to this show. It's funny, no point. Or you have satire, which has some kind of point. Then there, you know, another really big one for me is like Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok. And I would say when I learned about how they made the movie, it really inspired me to get out there. I mean, they, they took like a story that was written and then kind of added like improvised scenes to kind of bring that air of camaraderie and real human emotion to a very alien styled movie. 
And it just, it really, it really touched on me and how it like was executed. And I still think it's one of my favorite movies to this day. I watch, I rewatch it all the time. So I would say Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok is another really big inspiration for me. And you know, there's, there's more, but I'm going to leave you off on one more. David Lynch, and you're not going to see a whole lot of similarities between Lynch's bodies of work and Omega Star 7, but I, I think more as a creator, I'm inspired by David Lynch. I mean, he once said something about uh, transcendental meditation and how it can help inspire creativity when you're more self-aware of your environment, like how the way the wind can hit you can totally give you a whole idea for a story and you can go long dips of time without having any inspiration, but you just kind of have to open yourself up to creativity and it'll find you there. So, uh, you know, while you might not see a whole lot of similarities between Omega Star 7 and Twin Peaks, for example, there is that level of like what's inspired the creators and David Lynch would be one of them. Oh, there's many more. That's We'll leave it there. All right. What is your personal favorite moment of the show? Graham, you start. Oh, my God. <laughs> you have to pick one. <laughs> oh, that's bullshit. One man. moment. One moment. You only get one shot. <laughs> <laughs> if you had one opportunity, Graham. Once in a lifetime? Once in a lifetime. Would you take it? Would you take it? What's your favorite I don't moment? know. I think it feels cringy. Oh, no! <laughs> you can say yourself. I feel, I, I'm, if you're listening to this, I'm also cringing. Um, dude, I really liked the Badger and Slips Big Trip episode. So something that I thought earlier in one of the other questions is that like everybody does it for free. And obviously I do it for free. My kids don't understand that I like they don't well, like don't you guys they think that everybody that does something that they consume makes money from it which is another whole topic but anyway <laughs> at one point I had to explain to them like no I do it because it's a lot of fun and I tell my friends all the time like you have to listen to this podcast it's the most fun I never knew I wanted to have I say that phrase a lot and I really identify with it because it was like it was like that, like you were the one that was like, hey, you want to be a like character on our podcast? And I was just like, uh, I guess I've, I'm a new role player. I've been doing it on and off for like three years. So. But you captured those roles, man. Yeah, but you know what? It was one of those things where I was like, I got pushed into it. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to freaking try it. And then, holy shit, this is so much fun. I would do it for free every freaking day. That's why our RPG tabletop RPGs are so cool. And it like this show was born of that like, same desire to just make these people that have all these unique attributes and lore and like bullshit and and then they fucking die and you move on you make another person <laughs> very true i feel like skylar and i that whole episode was just fucking ad-libbed of like let's do this bit and let's yeah. do this bit and let's do and the show felt that same way of like let's do this bit and now we're doing this bit and i loved and i was like this is definitely not the show's best episode it's it's <laughs> no, it's, it's so good. It's, it's but it's the you know what I mean. Like, it's not love the references. Dude. There's it's so many. It's not even my favorite episode, but it was so. I think that, fun. Said her favorite episode. That's our most referenced episode, and that's that's Chris's favorite episode as well. Everything about Sprocket League. Yes, dude. When you win, Sprocket to me. Yeah, that, that was gonna that, be mine. When that, you that's win, a good, yeah, that that's is, a good moment. I feel goosebumps. Yeah. I feel like that lame fucking like, <laughs> like the like the, I just get like heightened when I fucking watch like listen yeah. to that scene where like, you fucking like, like when you the, throw the, the, the sprocket, the sprocket, sprocket, sprocket is thrown, feel it, yeah, dude. You're like 
This is intense. You're like, like oh, forcefully man. laughing. Yeah. You're like, it's like, oh my god. I'm like, like rooting so hard for the, Trey. The and crowd like, I cheering. Fucking play oh, Trey. My yeah. dude. oh, dude, so good. I agree. Like the way the crowd cheers when fucking Spanx is like, we have a new winner. You're like, woo! What are your favorite sound effects? So we use epidemic sound for most of our sound effects. I have no problem saying that. We write all the music. That's that's kind of the important part. I have no. I have no capability to full to foley stuff, and I have no I have no time nor interest in doing so. However, there is a door sound on the Outlander that was made by me vaping, <laughs> and then I vape, bro, and then I reversed it. So it, <laughs> is that what that noise is? Yes, that's a vape. Oh, wow, I had no idea. That's Neither actually did I. Nice. So I use it whenever I get whenever on the Outlander. I use it all the yeah, time. Yeah, the door opens. Yeah. I, I'm very yeah, that, that that's sound. a vape noise no reversed. That's wild to me, actually. That's amazing. There you go. You guys got any? Um, I mean, my favorite sound effect would definitely... Your like, wet fucking mouth? No. <laughs> God damn it, no. My favorite sound effect is definitely from the most... Uh, yeah, the most recent episode where I'm... Oh, dude! Over and over. The fu- you listened the- to it yet? Have you yet no. listened to this one? You're, oh, dude, fine. listen oh. to your way home tonight. You're going to be like, oh, dude, gosh, what the fuck? Well, here. this won't... Re- this is no... Sp- well, now I know I have Trey's, Trey's getting hit with the sack smasher, right? Over and over. And the sound effect of that ball launcher and then me yelling. So what I did for that, so what I did for that was I took a t-shirt launcher sound. The, the, it was actually a grenade launcher. That, that sound. And then I do that, I put that on the left. And then on the right, I would have an impact feeling. So like a sound. And so I would do that. I would left, left grenade launcher, right that, and I would create that into like. If you look at the waveforms, it goes, you know, it's 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 stereo. So there's two waveforms. It goes, so the bottom one to the to the top one, and so like when you listen to it in both headphones, it'll you'll hear it go across and then hit Trey, like Trey, like like Slip and Calla are standing there on the sidelines at the grenade launcher, watching it go over to Trey. It's one of the one the first time I went super hard into making sound effects really cool. And it's amazing. And it cracks me up really, really hard. Season one, episode one, when the radio is thrown. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, dude, it's great. That dude. sticks that stuck with me. Like I'm just thinking of like episodes I've listened to that I was even not a part of or not a big part of that like listening back was like, oh, that was really cool. If the crew made their signature drinks on Earth, how would they make them? So I talked about this on Discord. Uh, first off, uh, Badger drinks Sparagansetts, which are really, Graham. If you're from New England, you know what Narragansett is. It's like uh, PBR. So so it's like Baltimore's Natty Bows. Um, Keystone Light. Keystone Lights, dude. So the Badger's. Um, hey, I like it. Yeah, me Badger's, too. Badger's Badger's character is. I lived in New England. I've spent a lot of time living in New England, um, in Connecticut, and Rhode Island, and Massachusetts, and it is basically like. All it's kind of derivative of all my New England friends that had thick New England accents. Uh, some of them, like literally, their phrases that they. I remember first time I heard them say, I was like, "What the hell did you just say to me?" <laughs> I don't even know where it came from, but it's some. I was just, I was thinking of like, what's a fun beer that would sound funny with SP in front of it? And for whatever reason, Narragansett popped into my head. Narragansett was born. I, I I said trays. I want to see what you think about trays. Okay. Yeah, you said it was vodka with uh, warheads. Does warheads in it? Venarian flip. No, the, no, no. the, the flip flop. Yeah, yeah. Flip. Flip. So right. the flip flop in my mind is a is bottom shelf vodka, the worst tasting vodka. In the oh, world. I was thinking it was like it or was tequila. like tequila bootlegger, like distilled like one fifty one like 
spirits. First off, the flip-flop is based off the Pan-Galactic Gargle Blaster, which is from... Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide. Um, for them to be so expensive, being made in a bathtub makes sense. So if you were on Earth, you'd probably throw like a ghost pepper in there and then warheads and then moonshine. Yep, that sounds about right, honestly. Woof. So, so make that one and drink it. Let me know how it is. Yeah, if you get if you if you send a video, we'll put you on the show of, of you drinking that. Yep. Uh, Luna and, Sl- and Joe can't be here. From my understanding, a sea sugar is blue, you know, blue raspberry, silver rum, and a sugar rim. And then the black, which has been since episode one, is literally a season zero. Black is literally rotting fruit in a barrel. You put fruit in a barrel, leave it in the sun until it turns into moldy black liquid. That's what it is. Mm, yum. <laughs> it's gross, but it's... Quite... But it's something you could imagine so, Saul drinking. <laughs> Lore-wise, lore Bengali and Chiropins are both basically... They're not fruititarian because they do eat meat as well. But uh, for for Skeeks, it, it makes a lot of sense that you know the Chiropins are, are based off of fruit bats. So it makes, you know, it makes a lot of sense that, that they would enjoy a moldy alcoholic fruit drink. And, and then for the Bengali, we just we just thought it was very funny that these like 600 pound green simians would eat mostly fruits and nuts. Finally, the Fenarian Death Stare is probably the most drinkable of all drinks, which is basically, you know, mostly rum, mostly Dr. Pepper, a splash of really good whiskey and an orange slice. Yeah, I'd drink that. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. It's the most drinkable of all the drinks. All right. And that includes Narragansett. <laughs> <laughs> what are the plans for the future? So you're all probably wondering why you're you're listening to a Q&A versus, you know, season three. And, and there is a reason for that. I, I unfortunately had a house fire that displaced myself and my family. And we refused... Well, I refused to leave a season unfinished, and I wanted to make sure that there was an uh, an on, an honest reason for us to stop and kind of reassess everything and move forward properly and make sure season three ends off strong. And there's a reason for that. It is the end of the Outlander. Now, that does not mean the end of Omega Star Seven. There's plenty more stories to be told here, but we want to make sure that we we cap it off properly and. It takes time. We There's a lot more scripts, a lot more people need to be involved, and it's coming. But to fill the void for now, uh, we will be putting out anthology episodes to kind of help tide you listeners over as well as build the world, have some fun, kind of go back to the classic bombastic side of Omega Star 7 and uh, explore some other, you know, facilitatory writings that we'd like to explore, horror you know, straight humor, sitcom, just fun stuff like that. Um, after that, you know, we're taking a break from Omega Star 7, at least un- unless unless things change between now and the end of season three. We haven't decided what's going to happen fully yet. But, you know, James and I have some ideas for a new show set outside of Omega Star 7. And we might want to explore it. And so what this really is, is the beginning of a production company, Omega Star Productions that James and I will be working on together. And hopefully we can continue making fun things set in Omega Star 7 and stuff that just kind of has our, has our, you know, our themes and our, our style of storytelling in different aspects, fantasy, 
horror, cyberpunk, just, just all sorts of fun stuff that we're hoping that we can do in the near future. But right now our main goal is to just finish the season off strong, move forward with the story in a different way and just, you know, have fun. And that's really what all of this is, is, is having fun. So the plans for the future is to just take one step at a time and, and see what, see where it takes us. That's it. I'm Skylar, creator, director, and composer and voice actor for Omega Star 7. I'm James. I'm a voice actor, sometimes writer, and sometimes help out with some music on Omega Star 7. And you're a co-creator. And I'm a co-creator. Give yourself some fucking more credit. Graham, go ahead. I just show up and stay stuff. My name's Graham. <laughs> Take us out, Spanx. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I hope you've had a really good time here. Uh, we may be doing some more Q&As in the future here. We'll have to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, 